0: Taiwan celebrating its national day, marking the occasion, the island's president says a war between Taiwan and China is absolutely not an option. Elon Musk offering a proposal, Taiwan hands over some control to Beijing and becomes a special administrative region of China. But Taiwan says its freedom isn't for sale. An update on the U.S. fentanyl crisis. Within months, American authorities seized enough fentanyl to kill 36 million people, 10% of the country's population. And nuclear threats from Russia, North Korea and China. What do the dynamics look like? We sat down with Rick Fisher, Senior Fellow at International Assessment and Strategy Center to learn more. Welcome to China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Taiwan is celebrating its national day with parades, performances, and a determination to defend its freedoms. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday addressed the tension with mainland China, saying this about the democratic island's sovereignty. Taiwan is celebrating its national day with parades,
1: performances, and a determination to defend its freedoms. And Taiwan's President Tsai Ing wen on Monday addressed the tension with mainland China, saying this about the Democratic Island's sovereignty. The consensus of the Taiwanese people and our ruling and opposition parties is to defend our sovereignty and our free and democratic way of life. On this point, we have no room for compromise.
2: We have no room.
1: Tsai added that a war between Taiwan and China is absolutely not an option for resolving Beijing's claims to the island, and she reiterated her willingness to talk to Beijing. She also plans to boost the island's defenses, saying the destruction of Taiwan's democratic freedoms would be a major setback for democracies around the world.
0: We will use our actions to tell the world that Taiwan will take on the responsibility of self-defense. We will not sit back and wait for our fate to be decided.
1: U.S. lawmakers are praising Taiwan's democracy amid its National Day celebrations. Senator Ted Cruz called the island, quote, a beacon of democracy, adding that its prosperity and freedoms are an ever-present rebuke to the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda and repression. And Senator Marco Rubio wrote that Beijing's aggression makes it all the more important for the U.S. to support Taiwan's sovereignty. Meanwhile, in response to Tsai's speech, the Chinese foreign ministry says Taiwan is not an independent state and has no so-called president. The communist regime claims the island as its own and has escalated military threats against it after U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island in
0: August. Reporting by Iris Tao, NTD News. Taiwan should become a special administrative region of China, like Hong Kong. That's what Elon Musk, the world's richest man, suggests for the island. He says he believes it would resolve tensions between China and Taiwan. Here's more.
2: Billionaire businessman Elon Musk has suggested tensions between China and Taiwan could be resolved by handing some control to Beijing. The idea of a special administrative zone similar to Hong Kong was floated in an interview with the Financial Times. Musk was responding to questions about China, where his Tesla electric car company operates a large factory in Shanghai. The world's richest man also said he believed conflict over Taiwan was inevitable and warned of the potential impact on the wider global economy. Beijing has long vowed to bring Taiwan under its control and has not ruled out using force to do so. It currently views the democratically ruled island as one of its provinces, although Taiwan, which is home to 23 million people, strongly objects to China's sovereignty claims. In the past, China has offered Taiwan a one-country, two-systems model of autonomy, similar to Hong Kong, but it has been rejected by all mainstream political parties and has no public support. The businessman's latest geopolitical remarks come days after he proposed a so-called peace plan via a Twitter poll about the war in Ukraine. One of his ideas included permanently ceding territory to Russia. Musk pledged to support Ukraine earlier this year and provided his Starlink internet service to the country, which has been vital to ensure secure military communications. Musk said China has sought assurances that he would not offer the Starlink service there.
0: Following Elon Musk's suggestion, both China and Taiwan took to Twitter to respond. China's ambassador to the U.S. thanked the Tesla CEO, while Taiwan's de facto ambassador to Washington wasn't impressed, saying, quote, Taiwan sells many products, but our freedom and democracy are not for sale. What would Taiwan look like as a special administration zone in China? To get some perspective on Elon Musk's suggestion, let's take a look at Hong Kong. Britain returned Hong Kong to Chinese rule in 1997. The city was promised freedoms under a one country, two systems policy, meaning Hong Kong would be governed separately from the rest of China. But the Chinese Communist Party has since eroded that distinction. Over the past two decades, Beijing reshaped Hong Kong, clamping down on protests, silencing dissent, integrating party loyalty into its education system, and revamping election laws to remove opposition. Beijing maintains that Chinese rule has restored stability to Hong Kong following mass pro-democracy protests in 2019. But to many in the U.S. and other democratic nations, the communist regime has undermined the freedoms that made it an international finance center. Taiwan getting support from a small nation in the Pacific. Palau is one of only 14 countries in the world that maintains diplomatic ties with Taiwan, despite mounting aggressions from communist China.
2: The people people of Palau deeply deeply value friendship between our two two nations. nations, And are committed, and committed to supporting to support Taiwan, despite, despite the mounting, mounting aggressions in our
0: region. During a visit to Taiwan, Palau's president offered strong backing amid Beijing's growing pressure on Taiwan. He also condemned Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. Palau has a population of about 20,000 people and is a close U.S. ally. Beijing claims the self-ruled democratic island of Taiwan as its own territory and has threatened to forcibly take it over. Taiwan has faced increased military pressure from China, especially after U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island in August. How widespread is fentanyl in the U.S.? Within just three and a half months, enough fentanyl to kill 36 million people was seized on American soil. That's 10% of the U.S. population. The Justice Department recently announced that from May to September, the Drug Enforcement Administration seized more than 10 million fentanyl pills and about 1,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. 390 related cases have been investigated. One-eighth of them involve overdose poisonings, and a third are somehow linked to social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat. Fentanyl has been dubbed the deadliest drug for Americans. In 2021, more than 100,000 people died from overdoses, two-thirds of them from fentanyl or other synthetic opioids. Most fentanyl precursors originate from China. China is showing off its latest narrow body jet built to rival major competitors like Boeing and Airbus. But how many parts of the plane are actually made in China? Plus, foreign suppliers that provided parts were reportedly hacked by China. Here's a closer look at the backstory. China is taking another step forward on its way to competing with Boeing and Airbus in the commercial aerospace market. The nation certified its first homegrown C-919 jet after launching it 14 years ago. It's designed to rival jets made by Boeing and Airbus, though products from both companies currently outperform China's new aircraft. As for the new jet, not all of its parts are made in China. The landing gear, APU, and electricity system come from Honeywell. The engine comes from a joint venture between GE Aviation and a French aerospace firm. Michelin provided the tires. The flight control system and fuel system are from Parker Aerospace, a veteran U.S. aerospace manufacturer. The Chinese side was mostly responsible for the radar cover and wings. Many of these suppliers also provide parts for Airbus and Boeing planes. And they are critical parts of these two giant supply chains. What's more, China reportedly went after the foreign suppliers for their technology needed to build the plane. That's according to a report from CrowdStrike, a info security company. One way to get that intel is hacking. To do it, hackers find a way to install custom-made malware into the supplier's network. Between 2010 and 2015, companies like Amitec, Honeywell, GE, Saffron were targeted and successfully infiltrated. In Saffron's case, a worker in its China office installed the malware on the company's computer network. That's according to an indictment filed in California in 2018. The report says when hackers can't find their way in, then China's intelligence agency would send a human recruiter to acquire the information from company insiders. Xi Yuenjin, a Chinese intelligence officer, was reportedly in charge of that recruitment. He was accused of tapping an employee from GE Aviation and coaching him on what to steal from GE's turbine technology. A U.S. federal jury convicted him of espionage last year. Next, let's shift to an update on the Philippines. The nation has reaffirmed ties with the United States since President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. took office. It's a key turnaround from the often hostile demeanor of his predecessor. In a news conference last month, President Biden told Marcus Jr.
3: We've had some rocky times, but the fact is it's a critical, critical relationship from our perspective. I hope you feel the same way.
0: And in response, Marcus said the Philippines will
1: continue to look to the United States uh, for that continuing partnership and the maintenance of peace in our region.
0: This as Philippine and U.S. troops held amphibious landing drills northwest of Manila on Friday. The Armed Forces of the United States and the Philippines launched two weeks of joint naval exercises last week, reinforcing alliances at a time of regional tension with China. U.S. lawmakers are asking the Biden administration what it's doing to protect critical U.S. research and keep it away from Chinese espionage. The issue comes alongside talks about the Chinese Communist Party's, or CCP's, efforts to recruit scientists from America's top nuclear lab. Let's zoom in.
3: In a letter led by Representative Michael Waltz, 10 House Republicans are calling for a response Their letter cites findings of CCP infiltration of the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico. That's from a recent report titled the Los Alamos Club. The report says that between 1987 and 2021, at least 162 Chinese scientists worked at the National Laboratory. These scientists all returned to China in various research capacities for the CCP. That includes 90 postdoctoral researchers that were recruited through CCP talent programs. The letter asks about the Biden administration's protective policies with respect to the CHIPS Act. The act will fund U.S. semiconductor chip research and manufacturing.
0: Our next update is all about nuclear threats. We sat down with Rick Fisher, Senior Fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, to take a closer look at the dynamics between nuclear powers across the globe. Here's his take on the nuclear note it seems there's now a lot of tensions not just with Ukraine and Russia but also North Korea testing and president biden saying it's like an armageddon we haven't seen since the since the cuban missile crisis so how worried should the average american be
3: well the average american should be quite worried one would not be faulted for having at least a reasonable hope that vladimir putin would at least configure his use of nuclear weapons so as not to spark Armageddon, as President Biden describes it. If the Russians were to employ uh, their very low yield nuclear artillery shells, killing only Ukrainians, or to demonstrate them over the Black Sea, killing mainly fish, uh, it, is, it is not likely that the United States would respond in kind by using tactical nuclear weapons on Russians. Would they do so in Ukraine against Russian forces? Uh, that's the big question, because that then would give the Russians an excuse to ex- escalate, perhaps attack Poland, the Baltics, any, any European country, or even the United States with uh, larger nuclear weapons. Putin would do this because he knows he has superiority in theater nuclear weapons. He has perhaps close to 10,000 theater nuclear weapons. The United States might have only 200 nuclear bombs deployed in Europe. And these bombs would have to be carried by aircraft that could be shot down by Russia's very, very effective surface-to-air anti-aircraft missile systems. So there is a basic nuclear mismatch.
0: Coming up, nuclear threats are coming from more than just Russia. North Korea and China are also ramping up aggression. But are the U.S. and its allies able to handle it? And should the U.S. return to the nuclear deterrence game?
3: Peace through strength has been the consistent uh, American policy. It must have enough to deter uh, uh, both China and Russia and North Korea, and we must get back into the regional nuclear deterrence game. We, We really have no choice. The other choice is to witness our children being drafted and sent off to war. Sorry to be so blunt, but that's where we are today.
0: More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Peace through strength. This has been America's longtime nuclear policy. But is that strategy still holding strong? And is it effective in countering nuclear threats from today's totalitarian regimes? In the second half of our interview, Rick Fisher, Senior Fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, breaks it down for us.
3: Putin thinks that his nuclear weapons, his tactical nuclear weapons, were largely responsible... For deterring President Biden from sending American and NATO troops into Ukraine. He now thinks that his nuclear superiority will deter Biden and NATO from agreeing to a nuclear response to his small use of nuclear weapons. This is very dangerous. Uh, if, the, if Putin uses small nuclear weapons and gets away with it, then the Chinese are going to start doing the same thing to intimidate the democratic government in Taiwan, blowing up or demonstrating nuclear explosions near the Taiwan Strait. And the United States simply does not have the systems to respond in kind. Uh, Joe Biden personally, President Biden personally opposes the production of a new tactical nuclear warhead armed sea-launched cruise missile, SLCM-N. Both houses of Congress want to fund this cruise missile. Most of our military leaders want this cruise missile because they know regional nuclear deterrence is just as important as strategic global nuclear deterrence. We understood this during the Cold War, and we did produce thousands of nuclear weapons that successfully deterred Russia during the Cold War. Uh, we, d- we destroyed these nuclear weapons due to the 1987 Intermediate Nuclear Forces Agreement with the, with the former Soviet Union. But the Soviet Union did not destroy the nuclear weapons that were outside the control of that treaty. The United States did. And it is very likely that China also has a significant number of tactical nuclear weapons to arm missiles, cruise missiles, and very likely uh, tactical nuclear artillery shells.
0: And Rick, it seems another area of concern is North Korea. They recently had that test flying over Japan, which caused a lot of alarms in Japan. And it seems if that had been redirected, it could have hit America potentially. So. Going forward, what are some steps America can take to defend against not just Russia, but also North Korea, and maybe also China?
3: There, there are a number of things that we can do, Tiffany. Uh, we need to get back into the regional nuclear deterrent business. The United States needs to deploy hundreds, maybe thousands of nuclear armed short range, medium and intermediate range ballistic missiles. Unfortunately, it's gonna take a number of years for this force to be deployed. Thanks to President Trump, we started to develop new theater missiles during his term, and they are now about to enter production. But again, it'll take a number of years for these missiles to be deployed. We need to deploy these missiles in Asia, as well as in Europe. Secondly, we need to up our game in missile defense. Uh, and actually start shooting down some of these North Korean missiles. We have a Navy anti-missile system that is capable of shooting down satellites in low Earth orbit, and it's certainly capable of intercepting the large, relatively slow Chinese uh, liquid-fueled rocket that flew over Japan. Uh, We should just shoot this down and put the North Koreans on notice that we have this capability and we will use it. You are not allowed to fire your missiles over Japan. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, there are very few voices in Washington calling for this kind of demonstration. Oh yes, the North Koreans will respond. The response will probably be violent in some way, but that will then provide further excuse to clamp down on that rogue regime and provide the excuse that we need that will convince the public in South Korea that the United States needs to redeploy tactical nuclear weapons to their soil. And if we do that, it is very likely that Japan and Australia will follow suit. And this is all part of what the United States must do as soon as possible to deter not just nuclear aggression from North Korea and China and Russia, but also conventional military aggression. Taiwan, China is more likely to start a war over Taiwan, when it has nuclear superiority, which it's building toward, and has superiority in theater nuclear weapons, which it probably has today.
0: And Rick from the flip side, would other countries see that kind of deterrence more as an act of war if we were to do that?
3: Well, the North Koreans would certainly try to spin this as an act of war if we shot down their missile that was intended to threaten uh, the United States and its allies. Of course, they would try to uh, create that impression. Uh, but this is this is politics and uh, nobody will believe them. Yeah, of course, the Chinese will also try to spin it as if we defend ourselves, well that's aggression. They do this all the time. Whenever we sell weapons to Japan or Taiwan or South Korea, the Chinese try to spin this as aggression against them. But I think the world understands these are steps that the United States has taken and will have to take in the future in order to preserve the peace, in order to convince the Chinese Communist Party leadership.
0: So it sounds like in a way it's peace through
3: strength. Peace through strength has been the consistent uh, American policy, especially with the beginning of the Cold War, and we need to return to it. Uh, The Biden administration has simply uh, uh, refused to exercise leadership. It must match China's growing nuclear arsenal. It must have enough to deter uh, uh, both China and Russia and North Korea and we must get back into the regional nuclear deterrence game. We, we really have no choice. The other choice is to witness our children being drafted and sent off to war. I'm sorry to be so blunt, but that's where we are today.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.